All right. Who remembers that recently I shared with you some memes on expectation versus reality? Now, just as a little refresher, memes are an image, video or piece of text that is typically humorous in nature. Memes are copied and spread rapidly by internet users, generally through social media platforms. We've become such a visual society now that we communicate with pictures so much more than words these days. We even have picture emojis in our text messages and they're even being incorporated into our professional email platforms too. Instead of a formalised response to business emails, it seems acceptable to simply send a thumbs up or a love heart emoji to acknowledge you've seen the correspondence. Insane, I know, but that's where we are in life right now. So I thought today we could look through some Christmas memes just for a bit of fun. So here we go. They're up on the screen. Tell me if if you can relate to any of these. The first one is, I hope you like your gift. Shopping for it has caused me debilitating stress. Anyone relate? That's a good one. (laughs) All right, next one. Christmas is all about having your entire dysfunctional family together under one roof, hoping the cops don't get called and praying that nobody gets arrested. Hopefully that doesn't happen in anyone's house really, right? (laughs) What about this one? How do you feel when you finish Christmas or how you feel when you finish Christmas shopping? It's over. It's done. I'm definitely feeling a bit like that. I've got a few little things to go, but the most of it's done. The stress levels have started to settle. Next one. You're invited to combine the stress of the holidays with the anxiety of work at our office holiday party. That definitely hasn't happened at our place, has it? Not at all. (laughs) Okay, wrapping gifts one hour before Christmas. This is absolutely me. I'm always wrapping last minute. I've definitely been known to be wrapping really late at night, Christmas Eve, hoping that our kids are asleep or at least pretending enough that they have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And the last one, all I want for Christmas is one stress-free day. Oh, that poor little baby. Can we relate though? Any of those seem something that you can go, yeah, that's me. I certainly do. Look, there's no denying it. This time of year can be stressful. We race around cooking, shopping, decorating, spending, so much to do, so much pressure. Even our everyday tasks become stressful as we navigate busier than usual shopping centres, car parks and the roads. Small things become big things and time seems to run out faster than usual. Often, looming get-togethers are on our minds. Sometimes we can be expected to catch up with family and friends, or excited, should I say, to catch up with family and friends we haven't seen lately. But other times, rifts in family relationships can flare up. Tensions increase. Anxiety can be at an all-time high, all while trying to tick off those items on the to-do list. By the time Christmas Day rolls around, most of us are longing for just a little bit of peace, aren't we? Then we can think of those who are finding it tough this Christmas season, those who have fallen victim to the rising costs of living, food prices, petrol prices, utility bills, all while the children are oblivious to the rising stresses and having a hefty wish list. We all have been there. How will food be on the table, bills be paid and gifts be laid under the Christmas tree? They're real questions, right? And then how much more are people in Ukraine and Russia longing for peace? 
What about those in Israel or even Christians in Pakistan currently living in fear simply because of their beliefs? Some Salvation Army halls and homes were burnt by mobs in August this past year. Our news feeds are swamped with footage of war in countries we've never been. The question remains if war is worse than ever in these regions or if we are just seeing more of it unfold in the media than ever before. Still, with everything we see and hear about, it is difficult to imagine our own country coming under war and our minds struggle to understand how these people are feeling and living in fear. 700 years before Jesus was born, the people of Israel and Judah were longing for peace too. It's interesting how the conflict cycles continue to come around, don't they? There were two kingdoms back in those times that we read about in scripture often, Israel and Judah. The kingdom of Israel had endured invasions by the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians had ravaged and seized control of their cities with lots of bloodshed. In the previous chapter of the scripture that we will focus on today, which we'll get to in a moment, Isaiah announced that Judah would soon be invaded too. And we can only imagine how on edge the people of Judah must have been hearing this warning and knowing about the existing conflict in Israel. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, the prophet Isaiah wrote for the people at that dreadful time. So let's read from today's scripture, coming from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah announced that a royal baby will come. There were strong signs here that the child would be the Messiah that they had been waiting for. Like we reflected on in our first week of Advent, perhaps a small glimmer of hope was experienced in this prophecy. Isaiah said that one of his names would be Prince of Peace, which I think that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But what does Prince of Peace actually mean and why does it matter for us today? First of all, we know that we're talking about Jesus with this. We know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he is able to restore our relationship with God. When we hear the word peace in English, I think we tend to think of the absence of conflict, right? Or parents with young children might think of the absence of noise, sometimes a bit of peace and quiet. We definitely experience that kind of peace at around 11.30 each Friday after the Minis families have left the building. We love the loud, beautiful chaos of children playing, laughing, exploring and learning, the chatter of tired parents bonding over life experiences. But then comes the silence after and that's always a little bit comforting, right? We love them both. We love both sides. It's great. But the Hebrew word for peace has a richer meaning. The Hebrew word is shalom and it means harmony, wholeness and perfect restoration. The word shalom was often used to refer to items or situations that had no fault or was complete with no blemish. 
One example was a stone wall that was perfect with no bricks missing or even chipped. The baby that Isaiah was referring to in this passage, as we know, is Jesus. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he makes a way for sinners like us to have a perfectly restored relationship with God. How good that we live in a time where we know the scriptures in their complete form. There's no guessing, it's all laid out for us. But if we call ourselves Christ followers, which I'm sure we do, then what do we make of this idea of restoration? Several times in the New Testament, the Bible describes us as enemies of God. Ouch, that stings a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, how can that be possible? In Colossians 1.21, it says, You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. You see, we might not realise it, but in our natural human state, we are actually fighting against God. And there is a degree of understanding for us to embrace that includes the collective. This isn't just an individual realisation, not just the human state of me, but the human state of you and the rest of humankind. From back in those days to right now and into the future. Think of it like a sports team. Collectively, the team must work together and are considered as one movement. So the team is only really as strong as its weakest player. So yes, individual, but also as a collective humankind. If we expand on that passage in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20b to 22, it says, He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. The truth is sin damaged our relationship with God human race as a whole, and we are all a part of it, and we cannot fix it ourselves. But the good news is that the Prince of Peace can fix it. He can bring shalom to our relationship with God, harmony, wholeness, and perfect restoration. Notice those words, blameless, without a single fault. Jesus doesn't just get us back on speaking terms with God. The relationship is perfectly restored. So the question is, do you have perfect peace with God today? Each Christmas, I am blessed with loved ones who ask me what I would like as a gift for Christmas. And I don't know about you, but I have an extremely difficult time coming up with anything. Honestly, I mean, I don't expect gifts and I find it hard to give a list of things that I may like. And most times after not giving any ideas for a while, my family will then remind me again and my response will be, I know, I know, but honestly, I just don't need anything. Does anyone else feel that way? Not just me. Oh. Does anyone feel like you have to want something? There, there's something that you need to have or you need before you can actually feel grateful for it. Christian teacher Tim Keller once said that to receive the gift of peace with God, you have to believe that you need it. To receive the gift of peace with God, you have to believe that you need it. 
Here's some examples. If I gave you some cheap imitation AirPods for Christmas and you already own some genuine Apple AirPods, you wouldn't really receive the gift. You might smile politely and take them home. I guess it would be rude not to, right? But you're not going to use them. You might think, well, I don't need this gift. Or perhaps someone buys you some imitation Tupperware, but you have the same items in the genuine Tupperware brand. You wouldn't think, oh, this is just what I needed, right? What if I gave you some advanced hair regrowth products for Christmas, but you have a full head of hair? You wouldn't really receive the gift. You'd think, I don't need this, and you'd probably just leave the products in the box. To receive the gift of peace with God, we must first believe that we have been at odds with him. We need to believe that reconciliation is something we need. The Prince of Peace came to reconcile you to God. The Prince of Peace came to reconcile all of creation to God. So now, knowing this, do you have peace today? Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he brings the peace of God into our hearts. This flows out of our peace with God. Christian writer Max Licardo puts it this way, when we receive the Prince of Peace as our saviour, his peace is born in our hearts. Through Jesus, we can have shalom, harmony and wholeness, even when things are chaotic and difficult. The Apostle Paul experienced this himself. We read in Philippians 4-7 that the peace he has transcends all understanding. This means it is above our ability to understand in the message paraphrase it's worded like this a sense of God's wholeness everything coming together for good will come and settle you down that sounds pretty good doesn't it will come and settle you down may I remind you that Paul wrote about this piece while he was under house arrest accused of things he hadn't done and facing a possible execution Very upsetting and scary, I'd imagine. And yet, under these circumstances, he writes about God's amazing peace. Maybe you have experienced this peace yourself. Peace during the storms of life. Or maybe you've seen it in someone else. I remember a time back in 2016. It was our application year to be accepted for college. Later in the year, we had finally received formal acceptance. And we would be heading off to college in January the following year. There was, of course, much to be done before then. We both had jobs that we would need to give notice to. We owned our own home and that needed to be sold. We had two young children who needed to be enrolled in school and childcare in places we have never been. There was a point in those months leading up to move day where it felt like every roadblock was being placed in our way. Somehow, it seemed like the enemy was trying to stop us from going to college. One particular week, we were required to fly to Melbourne to undergo a psychiatric evaluation. It's a standard practice for all candidates going into Salvation Army Training College, don't worry. We had organised for Amelia and Brodie to stay with Aaron's mum and dad, I think, as we were flying out uh, in the afternoon and returning the following night. I received a phone call first thing that morning from my dad. He was panicked and upset and finally he managed to say to me that mum was in ICU that things didn't look good and that we might lose her. This was completely unexpected. We didn't know there was anything wrong with mum, but suddenly she was at threat of losing her life. At the hospital, we were able to briefly step in to see mum, who was hooked up to all these machines on a respirator, tubes everywhere. 
They had put her in an induced coma to give her time to stabilise and Dad explained that the emergency doctors had to perform CPR as her heart had stopped. It was significant enough that she had broken ribs from the life-saving moves and there was question as to what her condition would be going ongoing after this episode. The road to recovery for Mum was slow and long. She was in hospital for a while and this could have been enough for me to question whether college was a good idea at all. At the end of that year, after Mum had recovered, my Nana passed away too and our family dog as well, just to throw it all in there at once. This was a time of incredible grief and fear and I even questioned whether I was a good daughter, leaving my parents with no promise of ever returning to Adelaide to live. I also worried if I was a good mother, knowing that our children would be stripped away from everything and everyone they knew at such a young age. But despite everything that happened in those months leading up to training college, there was an overwhelming sense of peace that God had placed upon me. Despite all the chaos around us, all the unknowns and promise of much sacrifice in the future, I knew that God was calling me and that he had everything perfectly placed for his good. We all know that we will experience pain in this life, but having the peace of God in our hearts is life-changing. This week we received news that our friends of ours, his father had passed away after a battle with cancer. It's really sad and there's that time of grief and as we reached out to our friends, uh, his response was, um, I'm just glad that dad's no longer in pain and that he is at peace. And I guess that's the perspective we get when we know Christ as our saviour. Our whole perspective shifts when we know who is in control. It's not about experiencing a perfect life without blemish, but having the peace within us during the good times and the bad to be grounded and look at life with the knowledge of the love of God and the spirit dwelling within us. And this changes everything. Finally, Jesus is the Prince of Peace because one day he will rule over the whole world with perfect peace. Isaiah says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. Jesus will be the ruler of all and we are told under this rule everything will be set right. Shalom will be restored to every space. There will be no more wars, no more suffering. The idea of perfect harmony is painted poetically a couple of chapters later in Isaiah 11 verses 6 to 9 with violent creatures like lions and bears playing and snuggling with vulnerable creatures like lambs and calves. Harmony wholeness and perfect restoration. Until Jesus returns, we will not have perfect peace. God will show us how to look at life with the perspective of his peace over everything, to have peace with others and bring peace to the world. However, until Jesus returns, there will always be conflict. It seems unfair to see so much pain and conflict in the world today, but it shouldn't really surprise us. It's written in scripture that this will continue. It is written in scripture, the ebbs and flows of conflict, war and suffering throughout the nations and the promise of reconciliation at the coming of the king. We know how the story ends. The time is coming when he will restore all that is broken. He will reign with perfect peace and his reign will last forever. 
on this our third week of Advent, on the Christmas journey, I want to remind you this morning, because sometimes the well-known stories can water down over time, can't they? But I want to remind you this morning that the child has been born, the son has been given, the Prince of Peace is here, and one day he will come to reign over all. His name is Jesus. He was given for you. He was given for me. He was born for you and for me and for the whole world. The invitation for inner peace, for holy shalom is laid out for you. Have you received it?